to be with you this Thanksgiving weekend and open God's word together. The sermon this morning is going to focus on giving thanks to the Lord. Isn't that fitting? Giving thanks to the Lord. After all, this idea of, of Thanksgiving is not something the pilgrims made up, right? But something that God has graciously called his people to do all throughout the Bible. Just think through some of the Psalms. Psalm 118 says this, you are my God and I will give you thanks. You are my God. I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And Psalm 30 says, you turned my lament into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And this theme of giving thanks is carried on into the New Testament. In Colossians 2, we are called as Christians to overflow with gratitude. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, to rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. And then in Revelation, at the very end of the Bible, we get a glimpse of this glorious future that God has in store for his people. And we see that this future is characterized by joyful praise and thanksgiving to God. Revelation 7 describes a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before God, crying out, blessing and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and strength be to our God forever and ever. So all throughout the Bible, we see this loving call to give heartfelt thanks to our good and gracious God. However, for some of us, this may raise the question of why? Why does God call his people to give joyful praise and thanksgiving to him? Is it because God feels insecure about himself and needs to hear his people giving thanks to him in order to feel okay? Or is the God of the Bible like some of those old Greek gods who were temperamental and needed to be flattered and have their ego stroke constantly? Not at all. Not at all. The God of the Bible is completely different from any other God. He is self-sufficient and does not need anything from anyone. In fact, the Bible teaches that God has always enjoyed a perfect relationship within himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is one God who has eternally and joyfully existed in three persons. And so in calling us to give thanks to him, God is addressing a need in us not in himself. It is we who need to give thanks to God. As the famous catechism says, we were made to glorify God and enjoy him forever. However, because of our sin, we get everything backwards now. Instead of loving and delighting in God, we set our affections and our hopes and our dreams on created things that cannot ultimately satisfy and so Romans 1.21 sums up humanity's problem by saying this, we do not honor him as God or give thanks. And so these repeated commands throughout God's word to give thanks to God are commands of grace to us. 
They are given to us for our good. God is calling us out of our foolish ingratitude and into the joy and gladness of thankfulness to him. And so before we look at Psalm 100, I want to just step back together and think biblically and practically about the benefits of giving thanks to God so that when we come to Psalm 100, our hearts will be primed and ready to hear God's word of grace to us this morning. So first, let's look at six reasons why giving thanks to God is good for us. And for these six reasons, I'm indebted to Sue Lutz and her helpful article on thankfulness. So much of what I'm going to be saying is informed by what I learned from her. So let's get started. Six reasons why giving thanks to God is good for you. Reason number one, giving thanks is good for you because as soon as you are thankful, you enter the presence of God. The simple prayer, Father, thank you immediately reminds you that you are not alone. You have not been left to face the challenges and hardships of life all by yourself. As Sulat says, thankfulness reminds you that you have a relationship with the living God. And this is so very helpful for us. Isn't it so easy to forget God's presence and involvement in our life? We can go about our day completely oblivious to God's presence in our lives. However, when we stop to say thank you to God, we are reminded that we are his dearly loved children and he is actively involved in every detail of our life. Reason number two, giving thanks to God is good for you because as soon as you are thankful, you start to see your life differently through God's eyes. And this point is beautifully illustrated in the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis. As a young boy, Joseph was mistreated by his older brothers and sold into slavery in Egypt. However, eventually God raised him to power in Egypt where he was able to save thousands and thousands of people from starvation. And when reflecting back on his life with all the highs and lows, Joseph said this to his brothers. He said, you planned evil against me. But God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. So do you see what Joseph is doing? He is choosing to view his life through God's eyes. Instead of giving in to bitterness for all the painful and hard things he had to go through, he chose to see and celebrate God's goodness and God's faithfulness to him through it all. Even in the down times, God was still with him and not even his brother's evil intentions, what they meant for evil, not even that could get in the way of the good God had for him because God had planned it for good. And the same is true for you today if you are a child of God. Sulat says this, God wants you to see that nothing happens in your life that he cannot use redemptively, which means that he cannot use it for good or that he can use it for good to bless you and help you to grow in your understanding of him. And isn't this exactly what God promises in Romans 8, 28? We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. Thankfulness 
is what helps us to raise our gaze above our difficult circumstances to our loving and powerful God who is working all things together for our good. But please hear me on this. This does not mean that we are thankful for the evil, terrible things that happen in our lives. As David Prince wisely points out, we are not to give thanks to God for everything that happens, but to give thanks in every circumstance. We would sin to give thanks for what is evil, but we can and must give thanks in the midst of evil. And the reason we can do this is because our God is especially good at bringing beauty out of ugliness, hope out of despair, and life out of death. There is no amount of evil and sadness and brokenness that God cannot undo and make new. And so, for God's dearly loved children, giving thanks to God in every circumstance reminds us that our present problems and situations do not define us and definitely will not have the final say. God will. And so thanksgiving is good for you because it helps you to start to see your life differently through God's eyes. Reason number three, giving thanks is good for you because as soon as you are thankful, you defeat Satan's efforts to control your interpretation of reality. Satan, our enemy, his goal is for you to get you to doubt the goodness of God because you will not trust or love someone that you don't think is good. And so from Satan's first interaction with humans in the Garden of Eden all the way through to today, Satan has been intent on undermining our confidence in the goodness of God. And he did this to Adam and Eve in the garden by tricking them into thinking that even though God had placed them in a beautiful garden full of all kinds of delicious and wonderful things for them to enjoy, God was somehow cruel and unloving to withhold from them the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in no time, their doubt of God's goodness led them to disobey God. However, imagine with me if Adam and Eve had responded to Satan's lies with words of thanksgiving to God. Imagine if they had said, you foolish snake. God has been so kind and generous to us. Look around at the world he has made. He has created this wonderful garden full of beautiful sights, delicious flavors, delightful smells. And we didn't deserve any of this. And yet he has given us everything to enjoy. How could we ever doubt God's goodness? Do you see the Satan-stopping power of thanksgiving? Whereas Satan is intent on sowing seeds of doubt regarding God's goodness, thanksgiving reorients us to the truth, to what's true. It reminds us that our God is good and we can trust him. So give thanks to God and defeat Satan's efforts to control your interpretation of reality. Reason number four, giving thanks is good for you because as soon as you are thankful, you begin to link your life to God's promises. 
There is a direct relationship between thankfulness for what God has done and confidence in God for what he will do. So as you look back on all the ways that God has been gracious and faithful to you, your hearts will be encouraged to trust him in the future. And this is beautifully illustrated for us in Psalm 77. In this psalm, the writer is going through a very, very hard time. And he's crying out to God. However, despite the fervency of his prayers, God does not seem to answer. And God's silence coupled with the difficulty of his personal experience, causes him to begin to question God's goodness and faithfulness. Listen to what he says in verses 7 through 9. Will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? These are very real and honest questions he's wrestling with. And maybe these are questions you have wrestled with as well. There are times in our lives when God can seem so distant and so indifferent toward us The struggles and hardships of life just loom large before us and threaten to overwhelm us. However, what the psalm writer does next is so instructive for us. In verses 11 through 12, he directs his attention to the objective reality of God's past actions. He says, I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and I will meditate on your actions. So instead of interpreting God in light of his circumstances, he begins to interpret his circumstances in light of who his God is. And this, this makes all the difference in the world. You see, if we start with our circumstances and then let them dictate what we think about God, then our vision of God will be greatly distorted every single time. God's love, God's goodness, God's faithfulness will be repeatedly called into question because he is not doing for us what we think he should do. And this will cause us to be disappointed in God and draw further away from God. And that is exactly what our enemy wants. However, the psalm writer refuses to go down that rabbit hole. Instead, he focuses his heart on who his God is and lets his vision of God shape and inform and instruct his understanding of reality. In verses 13 through 15, he says, God, God, your way is holy. What God is great like God? You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples. With power, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. And throughout the remainder of the psalm, he continues to remember God's gracious and powerful acts of redemption on behalf of his people. And as he looks back on God's past actions in history, his faith and his confidence in God in the present is strengthened. And recently, I got a chance to see this in action in the life of our dear sister, Mary Murphy. While her husband was in surgery, she fought. 
She fought fear with praise and thanksgiving to God. And over and over again, as she was in that waiting room, she thanked God for who he is. She prayed, God, you are sovereign. God, you are good. God, you are merciful. God, you are faithful. And she kept saying those things over and over and over again. And in doing this, she was refusing to let her scary circumstances overwhelm her and call into question the character of her God. And this is what Thanksgiving can do for our hearts. It reorients us back to who our God is and what he has done for us. It reminds us of his past faithfulness and encourages us to trust him with our futures. So give thanks to God and fan into flame your confidence in God's promises to you. Number five, giving thanks is good for you because as soon as you are thankful, your human relationships get healthier because they are shaped by faith. Think about it. The more your heart is focused on who God is and what he has done for you, the less fearful, demanding, or judgmental you will be toward others. For example, if my heart is overflowing with thankfulness to God for his deep, deep love for me, I am freed then to love my wife sacrificially. However, if I'm not aware of God's deep love for me, I will approach my relationship with my wife out of a sense of neediness. I will be looking to her to satisfy me and make me feel happy and secure. And even though my wife is so wonderful and sweet, because she is a mere human being and not God, she will not be able to be all that I am wanting her to be. And my neediness then will prove overwhelming for her and lead to disappointment for me. And at this point, our relationship begins to break down. My disappointment turns into anger and resentment, and I'll either lash out or withdraw from her. However, thankfulness, thankfulness changes all of this. I love what Sue Lutz says about it. She writes, when you are thankful, you become more dependent on God and less demanding of others. And what you expect of people and what you fear about them both diminish. As you rest in the Lord, your heart is softened and strengthened at the same time. This gives you a greater strength to work through hard things and a greater desire and ability to love and serve others. What thankfulness does is it calls us out of looking horizontally to others to give us really what we can only get vertically from God. Thankfulness reminds us that we don't need to ask others to meet our deepest needs and desires because God has already done that for us. And so we are freed to move into relationships with one another, safe and secure in the love of God. Reason number six, giving thanks is good for you because as soon as you are thankful, you undermine sin's grip on your life. This is because thankfulness is like a weed killer for your lawn. When applied liberally and often to your heart, it makes it very, very difficult for sinful weeds to sprout up. And Sue Lutz provides some examples that I want to share with you. And as I go through these, be thinking about a particular sin struggle in your life right now 
and how thankfulness might be able to help you battle that. So the first struggle I want us to consider is anxiety. Have you ever noticed that when you are thankful, it's a lot harder to be fearful of people and circumstances? That's because thankfulness, it's refocusing your heart on God and his gracious control over your life. And thankfulness also helps protect you from being devastated by criticism because you know that God has loved and accepted you. So instead of letting feelings of insecurity and inadequacy overwhelm you, thanksgiving refocuses you back on God and frees you to be able to even learn and grow from the criticism. And if you're thankful, it's also much harder to be cynical and sarcastic about life. We need more of that. (laughs) Because thankfulness reminds you that God has a good purpose and you can trust his plan for your life. And when you're thankful, it's much harder to be proud. This is because pride focuses on what I have done and what I deserve. However, thankfulness focuses on what God has done and how undeserving of his grace and kindness we really are. And so the Puritan Thomas Goodwin wisely notes this, a humble heart is a thankful heart. A humble heart is a thankful heart. Giving thanks to God also makes it harder to be self-righteously angry or to be bitter and unforgiving toward others. So instead of focusing on all the ways in which we have been wronged, thanksgiving redirects our hearts to the kind and merciful ways God has treated us. And cultivating a heart of thanksgiving protects us from giving in to hopelessness and despair. Like we looked at earlier, giving thanks raises our gaze above our current situation and struggles to our loving and faithful God who is working out his purposes in our lives for our good. And thankfulness also strikes a death blow at greed, envy, and lust. You see, these sins want to convince you that you don't have what you need to have to be happy and that life would be, oh, so much better if you just had what you currently don't have. And so you keep hitting buy now and expecting Amazon to deliver the satisfaction your heart longs for. Or you harbor thoughts of envy towards someone else's life or body or skills or relationship, believing the lie that if you could trade places with them, all your problems would go away. Or maybe you look to porn or romance novels or other forms of sexual fantasies because you feel like you deserve a little pleasure because of how hard you've worked or how difficult your life has been. However, Thanksgiving comes in and says, wait a minute, pal. Look at how good and gracious God has been to you. God has already given you so much more than you deserve. Let's thank him for his kindness towards you. And then by God's grace, your heart begins to refocus off of what you don't have and onto all that God has done for you in Christ. So over and over again, we see that giving thanks is the weed killer that chokes out the sinful weeds in our lives. So what about you? What particular sin struggle Do you need to spray some thanksgiving on today? 
So far, we have looked at six reasons why giving thanks to God is so, so good for us. And the common theme that has emerged through all of them is that thanksgiving is good for us because it refocuses our hearts back on God. And this ultimately is what each and every one of us needs, whether we know it or not. We need a vision of God that looms larger than our problems and sins, that calls us out of ourselves into the joy and the wonder of knowing the one true and living God. And this is exactly what Psalm 100 does. All throughout this psalm, God is calling us to give joyful thanks to him and grounding these calls in who he is and what he has done for us. So let's look together now at God's word of grace to us from Psalm 100. The words will be up on the screen and I want us to read this psalm together. Let's give thanks to the Lord together. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever, his faithfulness through all generations. So verse five, that last verse, it serves as the foundation for this psalm. All the commands in verses one through four make sense in light of verse five. If God was not good, if God was not loving, if God was not faithful, we would not be able to overflow with joy and gladness and thanksgiving. However, because the God we serve is good and his faithful love endures forever, his faithfulness through all generations, we have every reason in the world to be the most thankful, joyful people on the planet. And if this was true back when this psalm was written, Oh, how much more should our hearts overflow with thankfulness to God this side of the cross and resurrection? You see, in the coming of God's Son, Jesus Christ to earth, God demonstrated his goodness, his love, and his faithfulness beyond a shadow of a doubt. This is because our biggest problem is a problem that we were completely helpless to do anything about. Our biggest problem is our sin, our active rebellion against our creator and maker. And every single person is born with this problem. Every single person is born an enemy of God and justly deserving of an eternity of punishment in hell. That is our problem. But God... But God, because he is so good and loving and faithful, he devised a way to destroy our sin without destroying us. And this is what we're celebrating this Christmas. God sent his very own son into the world to be born of the Virgin Mary. The eternal son of God became one of us, took on flesh in order to rescue us from our sin and God's just judgment. And he did this by perfectly obeying God in our place and then dying on a Roman cross to pay for our sin. 
But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he got up out of the grave, having conquered sin and death. And now he lives forever as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And one day soon, he will come back to this earth and make everything right again. The hardships, the pains, the grief of this world will forever be put in the past. And God's people will enter an eternal future in a perfect world full of joy and peace and happiness forever and ever and ever. And so, because we are people who have such a glorious hope and such a good and loving and faithful God, our hearts should overflow with joy and thankfulness to him. So let's look at the psalm together and hear these gracious commands from our God. Look with me at verse one. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. This psalm begins with God's gracious invitation for the whole earth to shout triumphantly to him. Isn't that amazing? God is not just interested in a few people experiencing the joy and goodness of knowing him. He wants the whole earth to raise their voices in a joyful shout of triumphant praise to him. So the idea here is this this passionate, joyful shout of exaltation to the Lord. It's the kind of joyful shout that that people make when their team scores a winning touchdown or or when their favorite band takes the stage or, or when a great political leader makes the point that everyone loves. And so some versions even read, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Just erupt in praise to God. Shout out praises to the Lord. And what's amazing is that God doesn't want anyone to miss out on the joy and goodness of worshiping him. He is inviting the whole earth to shout triumphantly to him. So what about you this morning? Have you joined in this shout of praise to God? If you have not yet joined in, I wanna plead with you to heed God's gracious invitation to you today. Turn from your foolishness and sin and trust in God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell God that you are sorry that you have not honored him as God or given thanks to him and ask him to forgive you. And God has promised that anyone, anyone who comes to him through his son Jesus, he will welcome with open arms. So come, come into the joy of knowing this good and loving and faithful God and give thanks to him today for Jesus and the complete forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life that is found in him and him alone. And for those of us who have already joined in this triumphant shout, Let's invite others to join in as well. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords who is worthy of all the praise and all the adoration of all the nations of the earth. So this holiday season, be thinking about who can I invite to join in with this shout of triumph to our good and gracious God. Well, let's continue to look at God's word of grace to us. Look with me at verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. God desires that our relationship with him should be characterized by by exuberance and delight. Notice that we are to serve the Lord with gladness. 
We are to cheerfully and willingly orient every aspect of our lives around pleasing our good and loving and faithful God. You see, God wants us to view our service to him as the delightful privilege that it truly is. How wonderful it is to serve a master like our God who does not keep us at arm's length, but who invites us into his very presence. Come before me with joyful songs. And are you catching the mood God desires us to have? We are to shout triumphantly, serve with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. But this is not excitement for excitement's sake. These emotions, this is so important, these emotions of joy and gladness are to be rooted in and grow out of knowledge of who our God is. Look at verse three. This is such an important verse. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. I love what John Piper says about this. He says, God means to be known with the head, education, And he means to be sung from the heart, exaltation. And he means for the singing to be based on the knowing. This is the logic of Psalm 100. Our praise and our thanksgiving to God flow out of our knowledge of God. So please hear me on this. In order to feel deeply about God, you must think deeply and accurately about God. And so God graciously commands us to acknowledge certain truths about him. We are to acknowledge that he alone is God, that he has no rivals. There's none like him. We are to acknowledge that he is the sovereign creator, that he made us and we belong to him. And we are to acknowledge that we are under his care and protection as a sheep to a good shepherd. And in speaking about the relationship between verse 3 and verse 5, John Piper says this. Verse 3 stresses the authority and the power of God. He is God. He is creator. He owns us. Verse 5 underlines why all this authority and power is good news. He's good. He's loving. He's faithful. And all of this lasts forever. What Psalm 100 is teaching us is that knowing truths about God serve as the foundation for our joyful praise and thanksgiving to God. The more we come to know our great and good God, the more our hearts will burst out into praise and thanksgiving to him. And so verse 4 calls us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. This really is the only fitting response to a God like this. In light of such extravagant goodness, everlasting love and faithfulness, all we can say is thank you. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that your faithful love endures forever. Thank you that your faithfulness Your truthfulness goes on from generation to generation to generation without end. And what is amazing about all of this 
is that because our thanksgiving and joy is grounded in who God is and what he has done for us in Christ, there is no situation or circumstance that can change that. There is nothing that could happen to you that would make God stop being good or remove his faithful love from you or cause him to be unfaithful to you. And so, whenever Satan begins to tempt you to doubt God's love and care for you, look again at the cross of Jesus Christ. And keep looking until your heart is once again overwhelmed with thankfulness to God for his goodness, his love, and his faithfulness to you. Let's pray. Lord, you are good, and you can never be anything but good. You are not evil or mean. You are not bad or cruel. You are good, and so we thank you. Thank you that you are loving, and you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you that there will be no point in our lives when your love for us will grow cold. And thank you that you are faithful, that we can always rely on you. You are completely dependable and trustworthy and you will never, ever change. So, oh God, help us to be people who believe these precious truths about you. We need your grace. Strengthen our faith in you as we partake of the bread and the cup together now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.